In decades past, you opened a business, hung out your shingle, and the customers came. Today, hanging out your shingle means creating an engaging website. The modern consumer is using the Internet to find businesses like yours. Are you positioned so you'll rise to the top of their search? Let the Radio Vermont Group Digital Services work with you to make sure you're visible online and to target your marketing to location, demographic, and interest. Learn more at rvgdigital.com. Good morning and welcome back. This is Brad Ferlin, your host on Vermont Viewpoint. Normally Mondays, but I'm going to do a few Thursdays here, uh, fill in, which I'm excited about. Uh, my producer earlier was Lee Cattell, and uh, Lee is up at Odark 30. He uh, he is an amazing uh, mentor to me and helping on uh, guide my journey here at the radio station. I'm very grateful for him. And now through the glass is the great and powerful Corm. So I just I got all this guidance over here, and it's just it's uh, wonderful to have. Uh, I want to do one shout out to my callers this morning. Thank you all for calling in. And uh, Catherine from New York, you're probably the most distant caller this morning uh, geographically. And uh, we send a big hug out to you, Catherine, if you're still listening. Uh, it sounds like uh, some of the road's been hard and uh, I hope that you do well with that journey. And I'm grateful for Terry for everything that he talked about this morning and that there is hope in life. So if you're struggling, there's always hope. We preface that with love. My next guest uh, is returning. Uh, he is the owner of the Cambridge Village Market, uh, Ron Fry. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Brad. Uh, good to have you here. So there's an old saying, uh, if the good Lord's willing and the creeks don't rise, uh, and you buy a store in Cambridge and the creeks did rise. Can, can you bring us back a little bit to that? Sure. Uh, my wife, Linda, and I, we, uh, we closed on the purchase uh, on June 15th of this past year. And uh, on July 11th, as a lot of people in Vermont are well aware, we had some pretty severe flooding in the area. You know, not just not just here in Cambridge, but Montpelier and, and a good part of the state. Yeah, so it was it was a rocky start for us. You know, after three and a half weeks of ownership, um, you know, we we didn't have much of a store anymore at that point. Yeah, what a, when you say not much of a store, what was the the initial damage to what you had bought? Yeah, um, the entire basement flooded, and unfortunately, in the basement was most of our uh, compressors for our, all our refrigeration, for the refrigerators and freezers, uh, all of the electrical. And we have a, a 10 foot by 10 foot freezer down there that was absolutely chuck full of product. And we had, oh, probably five or six thousand dollars worth of dry goods down there as well. So when that, when the basement flooded, uh, it flooded right to the, the bottom of the floorboards. If we had another four to six inches of, of uh, rise that day, uh, this store probably wouldn't be here today. Wow. And you, Immediately, uh, generously, I guess knowing that, um, product wouldn't, wouldn't last long in, in those conditions, you just gave it out to the community. Everybody was struggling at that point. So you, your immediate reaction was, was generosity. Well, you know, uh, growing up in Vermont, that's just kind of the way things are. 
And when the basement started to flood, you know, it was it was obvious within minutes that it was a, a lost cause downstairs. And uh, I called the power company immediately and had them shut the power off remotely. And we had some people here, you know, some people that I, I kind of knew and some people were total strangers. And they were kind of helping us keep the water at bay um, once that became a, a losing effort. We, uh, we grabbed a couple pickup trucks, grabbed some ice, um, and just started filling the, the pickup trucks with ice and dairy product and meat, anything that was going to spoil immediately. And we ran it into Fairfax and put the word out that, um, come pick it up. And then the next day, the water had gone down enough. We were able to get to the store. And um, everything in all our freezers and coolers that we couldn't get out, which was most of it, uh, we put the word out again, come, come take it. Yeah, it wasn't so, going to last. Yeah, that, well, that was that was an amazing gesture. Uh, and you weren't new to retail. You have a couple outlets in in Milton, and uh, you and your daughter run a uh, have a restaurant in Fairfax, Erica's, which uh, is a great place yep, for Erica's American Diner. Uh, we have, as you just mentioned, two um, deli slash convenience stores in Milton. But uh, my wife Linda, her her background is she was thirty years Grand Union. Ah. So it was a a long time leading up to this. Can your wife make me the secret uh, uh, buffalo wings at Grand Union? <laughs> I'll, to... I'll, I'll ask her. <laughs> <laughs> she's, uh, she, she's shy of the radio, so she's like, "Nope, you're doing this by yourself today. You're on your own." And uh, poor Erica, she texted me earlier. She said that uh, she's got a child sick, which is. I get it. Um, yeah. we, th- my, uh, my three year old grandson. Yeah. Um, our priority is our kids. Absolutely. So, um, you didn't have like, uh, a million dollars sitting in the mattress when you bought, uh, the Cambridge Village market. You very bravely, as I recall, invested a lot of what you had built into a new venture. Uh, so a storm like this could have provided a moment where you look at Linda and say, oh, my God, we're done. We're, you know, let's throw in the towel, let's whatever. But you didn't do that. No. uh, Linda was born and raised in Vermont, and I've been here since I was 12. I'm 56 now. So as as any Vermonter knows, you know, as long as you're breathing, you have a chance. And, uh, you know, failure was never, never an option for us. It's, you know, what were we going to do? Walk, walk away from a, from a brand new business? We just, it was a huge setback. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, like, like 99% of the Vermonters out there, we just put our shoulder to it and push through it. And, and the community became a big part of that. Is that right? Oh, community was huge. Um, two days after the flood, uh, uh, Linda and I showed up here. And we actually had a couple of her family members sitting in the parking lot waiting for us. And they had a three-inch gas-powered pump sitting in the back of the truck. Um, a, another fellow showed up with, a, with the same size pump, and we got those going. And it took maybe, you know, 36 hours to pump the basement out. And when that was finished pumping out, we had close to 30 people show up um, and just helped us hoe the basement out because we had all that all that food and dry good and all everything downstairs that was going to spoil very, very quickly if we didn't get it out of there because it was soaking wet, obviously. And, um, you know, within a matter of four or five hours, we had filled a 30-yard dumpster and put a phone call in for another 30-yard dumpster and filled half of that. 
So that's, you know, do the math. It's 45 yards of, of stuff that we hold out of the basement, you know, some family members, but a lot of complete strangers just showed up and helped us. Yeah, it's, it is remarkable. Um, and it reminds me of the fire brigade, the bucket brigade kind of thing, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. We're handing, handing stuff up the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after that, you have to, uh, dry out, get your coolers working. You have to pay for stock that comes in. You need cash flow. What, what was, what were the neighbors doing then? What was the community? How was the help going? Uh, it was, it was pretty amazing. Well, first of all, the, the state of Vermont through the emergency fund, um, funneled money to, uh, a lot of the affected businesses within a week or two. It's like, here, take this. We know you need it. And then probably six or eight weeks later, um, they managed to come up with more money for all the affected businesses. You know, and I, I talk about businesses because that was my experience, but also there's a lot of homeowners that were affected, obviously. Um, so the state had a second round of funding, which was extremely helpful. Um, you know, we were not in a flood zone, so we were not carrying flood insurance. So that that hurt a little bit. But strangers, you know, people's like, hey, I, I saw you. I saw you on the news. I heard you on the radio. Just wanted to stop by and, and give you something. And we we're getting $20 bills, $50 bills, $100 bills. And um, I have uh, a classmate. So I, I graduated South Burlington in 1985. And a woman, uh, just give you her first name. Her first name was Sarah. Um, I got a letter from her and said, hey, you know, I, I saw you on the news and we wanted to be able to help somehow, but we didn't want to just give the money to a stranger. So uh, her and her husband, who I never met, uh, cut me a, a check for a lot of money and said, here, take it. Wow. Uh, Vermonters, you know, we go back in time. I, I always tell this story about if something happened to a neighbor, an apple pie or something would show up. And a lot of apple pies showed up at your store, it seems. Oh, it, it was truckloads of apple pies. Yeah. And, and people that you, you didn't know, you hadn't had the store very long. Uh, so that's amazing. So July 11th happens. How soon were you back in operation? Uh, to be honest, we, we never locked the doors wow. for, for a full day. Um, you know, we stayed open till approximately one o'clock that day. And that's when the basement finally let go. Uh, we were back the next morning, you know, mostly to get stuff away, but we were asking people to come in and buy, buy our dry goods, you know, help, help us out any way you could, you know, we, we, to be honest, we weren't looking for a handout. We're saying, hey, come in and buy something. Yeah. You know, help us as best you can. You know, the best thing you could do is, is pick up a can of dog food and, and get that money in our pocket to, you know, get us rolling again here. But, uh, the, the turnout was just, just amazing. Absolutely amazing. We're, you know, I, I can't emphasize enough, you know, the, the kindness of, of strangers just out of the blue saying, hey, what can I do for you? What, what do you guys need? We're talking with uh, Ron Fry. He's the owner with his wife, uh, Linda, of the Cambridge Village Market in uh, July. Uh, they they had bought the store in June, and in July, the rivers flooded, the store flooded, and uh, it was pretty bleak. But with the you've turned it around, and not only turned it around, you're ex- – you're actually expanding services in the store. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, that was that was actually kind of the plan all along. Um, 
we're doing an addition to the deli, a uh, 20 by 20 addition, just to make ourselves a little more efficient and be able to offer uh, more hot meals and pre-made meals and such. The, anybody that's been here knows how tiny the deli is. So by adding a 20 by 20, we're, we're probably just about doubling the size of that. And in addition to that, uh, we've redone all the floors in here. Uh, sadly, it, we had some of some uh, beautiful uh, oak and maple flooring down, and part of the result of the flooding is it put so much moisture in the basement, it caused the, uh, the floorboards to expand, to swell, and it just buckled them so badly that they had to go. So we redid the entire floor um, upstairs, and we also put a a ramp out front. We had a lot of people say they were having difficulties. It was just, you know, two steps to get in, but um, we wanted to be able to, to make it easy access for everybody as well as anybody that's got an armload of uh, groceries. They can take a grocery cart out now instead of having to, to lug it down the steps. So, yeah, we, uh, we came in with some fresh eyes and had some ideas, and we were fortunate to be able to follow through on, on most of them. So I have a monthly trip to Elmore, which means that from St. Albans I cross paths with your store. I often will stop and get gas there. It's a great and convenient place for gas. Thank but you. when I do the uh, the night hike, I'm also knowing that no, nothing's going to be open when I get back if it's 10 o'clock at night. And so I buy – there's a couple of things I, I want to praise in your store. Your subs are amazing. I bought an Italian sub that had so much meat in it, I couldn't even have possibly bought that much meat on its own and, <laughs> and made the sub. It was so delicious. And then my car, without even any prompting, will turn in for the uh, raspberry-filled cookies. And, and I don't know who the yeah. baker is, but how they can attract my car to pick those up, uh, they are amazing. All, all your baked goods are great. Well, we appreciate that. Thank you. And, and that should only, uh, the offering should only increase with the, uh, the addition when it's finished. So you're full service, really. You're, you're, you're the market in the area. Um, yes. so can you tell us just a little bit more about that? It, you know, it's, it's not just groceries. It's, it's a lot of things. Well, there, there is another grocery store around the corner, and I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, uh, Hanley's, and uh, Linda and I've been over there multiple times. You, you know, it's a great idea to keep an eye on the competition, and they do a nice job over there as well. Uh, the big difference between us and them, though, is uh, we have gas available, and you know, and we've really been concentrating on the deli. You know, coming from a, a restaurant background, that was kind of an easy easy one for us, and also with uh, Sterling Market in Johnson being done as a lot of people know they flooded out so that was certainly uh, some increase in business for us as well yeah that was really a, a mainstay in johnson and uh really horrible that that um you know looks like it won't open i don't know the details on that I, I, i've heard rumors that that a big company is talking about buying it but i i it's just rumors yeah, I, I certainly hope so for the for the sake of Johnson because they they need something in their community. Yeah, and I think it's business is good. All business is good for all business. I find absolutely. Um, so when you were doing sort of the the repairs and renovations, do you take a hard look at you know what happens if the river rises again? Are are there precautions construction wise that you can help mitigate future or not? There's 
a little bit we can do, but just the, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're in a flood plain, even though it's not a flood zone, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, it, it's a fairly flat part of, of Cambridge. Um, and anybody that, that travels this road knows that every spring the, the wrong way bridge will, will flood on both sides. And we're only, I don't know for a fact, but maybe four or five feet higher um, than that bridge when it floods. But there's a lot of surface area. So the area can absorb a lot of water before it gets to us. But back to your question, there's really not a lot we can do to to, to preempt or, or to try to mitigate any future flooding. It's just kind of the kind of the way the building is, short of jacking the entire building up a couple feet, which is obviously not going to happen. Right. And then maybe, I mean, do you now stock some pumps and everything so you at least try to stay ahead of water or that that is the plan um the electrician we use has been so busy he's uh been putting other people back together for the last couple months and plus he's got his regular customers but to answer your question um we've talked with him and i I hope we follow through with this is i want to get an emergency generator here get that on a higher level and hook that into, you know, a half dozen or eight or ten uh, sump pumps yeah. in the basement. So if things do flood, we lose power, we can turn that that on. You know, anybody that's ever watched a, a one-and-a-half-inch sump pump move water, it can move a lot of water. Yeah. And I think six or eight or ten of them could move a lot of water, and that would about be our only only option. Sounds like a great plan. Uh, and when I came through the store the other day, um, one of your employees had been there for a long time. Um, do you want to do a little shout out to the sort of the loyalty of employees? And, uh, cause I always find that they're friendly and helpful and, uh, it's really great to go in there. Oh, absolutely. The, uh, the people we inherited, uh, from the previous owners as well as the one we've hired, they're just, they're great people. You, you can't you can't have a, a grumpy attitude and, and deal with with the general public. And I'd say everyone here has a great attitude, great outlook on life, and it's just very pleasant to be around. The uh, there were apples at the in in a bag at the at the front, and I only wanted like one or two uh, to take on my hike. Yeah, and I said. Uh, I said, oh, that's too bad. I don't really need a bag. She goes, I'll sell you one or two. You yeah, know? <laughs> Very adaptable. Because the next person walking through the door may only want one or two apples also. So right. it's perfect, yeah. Right. Um, so you've been in, in retail uh, for a while. Is there, you know, is there something that you've learned uh, sort of at the top of the food chain for you that – that you would share with our listeners the, the wisdom of a of a of a shopkeeper sort of. <laughs> well, I, wisdom's a pretty strong word when you're talking about me. Uh, <laughs> but you know the, the the customer is is the most important person there is. And what I what I tell employees, you know, somebody will be, oh, that person, that customer, they were they were mean to me and everything, blah blah blah. But what I tell them is that. That customer, they're the ones that sign your paycheck. They're the ones that sign my paycheck. Um, something else we really emphasize is the most important customer in the whole world is the one standing in front of you. Mm-hmm. So that circles right back around to, you know, 
good customer service and just just being friendly and, and kind to people in general. And not just not just when it comes to to running a store, it's just life in general. Yeah. And I love uh you you use the term like new fresh eyes on something. Mm-hmm. And uh so you uh Bruce McMillan had run the store for a long time and thirty thirty one years I believe. Thirty one years yep. and he had a formula, but you you get to take the good and 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 make it better, I guess, right? The the number one role when you take over an a failing business, this was not a failing business, but when you do take over a failing business, the first thing you change is everything. So when you take over a successful business, the first thing you change is absolutely nothing. And that's that's what we did initially. We changed nothing, and then until we got a feel for things, it just made very minor changes. Yeah, well, I commend you for that because there um, there is such a thing as ego, and people think that they know how to do things better, but you obviously had a very level-headed approach to that, so that's commendable. Well, thank you. Uh, We're talking with Ron Fry. We only have about a a minute and a half left here, Ron. Uh, Cambridge Village Market is alive and well, and uh, really one more shout-out by you if you want to your community. Well, when I talk about the community, I'm not just talking about Cambridge. I'm talking about Vermont in general. Um, just the the overall response and the, the caring and the kindness we uh, we experienced during our time of need was it was hard to describe. It was just overwhelming, overwhelming. So a huge thank you to the immediate community and and the whole community and state in general. Thank you. Yeah, well, and it keeps coming. And I have a, a wonderful T-shirt. Are those? Are you still selling T-shirts, or we, was that? We have a few left. Yes, yeah, do. yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm a T-shirt guy. I love them, and I have them for a little while, and then I they mysteriously disappear, and I see them on my daughter. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. kind of how life works. Yeah, uh, Ron, I want to thank you very much uh, for being with me this morning. Uh, you're a great guest, and. We want to continue to monitor your progress and, and hear how how you prosper and thrive uh, bravely in uh, in Vermont in a small marketplace and doing a great job. So thank you. Oh, you're very welcome, Brad, and, and I'm happy to come on whenever you like. That'd be great. And uh, for our listeners, if you missed it earlier, uh, quote: "As long as you're breathing, you have a chance." Ron Fry. <laughs> Maybe that's a T-shirt. There you go. (laughs) All right. Thanks for being with me. This is Brad Furlan, Vermont Viewpoint. We'll be back right after this. Thank you, Brad. Good morning and welcome back. This is Brad Furlan, your Thursday host this week, Monday and Thursday. Uh, Pleasure to be back on Thursday and fill in uh, on Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV. Uh, We've had nice chats with... uh, Folks, this morning, Terry Lovett with his book, uh, Thoughts from a Walk, and then uh, Ron Fry, who has the Cambridge Village Market, that uh, he buys it and uh, the rivers flood him out, you know, within a month of, of owning it. And uh, they persevered. Vermonters stepped up. They were helpful. Uh, there's a good world out there if you look for it. And uh, we're, we're happy to be part of that here at WDEV. My next uh, guests are uh, from Jenna's Promise. I want to welcome to the show uh, Gregory Tatro and Amanda Husey. Welcome. Hey, how are you? Doing well. How about you? 
doing all right. Do I have you and Amanda? Yes. Hi. How are you? Hello, Amanda. I'm very well. Um, I got up this morning, which was great. Uh, I was able to feed my sheep. They were happy, although I didn't put them out to pasture, so they were like banging on the fence, uh, yelling at me this morning when I drove off, but uh, I'll get them out later on. Ready to go. Yeah. So, Gregory, um, Jenna's promise, um, we want to give listeners a little bit of background. Uh, your mom and dad, Greg Tetro and, and Don Tetro, and you suffered really one of the most horrific losses that one can, can, can have in their life. And, uh, yeah, you, uh, the loss of your, your sister Jenna. And yet you moved forward and, and are really working at helping people. Can you give us a little bit of background on, on Jenna's promise? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So Jenna was my sister. She died at 26 years of age, uh, in 2019. And we spent six years kind of watching this struggle and this process with, with Jenna. Um, and how oftentimes, uh, you know, sometimes she would, she would, um, fall back into use all by herself. But it felt like oftentimes, too, you know, the national model that we have sometimes would throw obstacles uh, in front of her that made her harder to stay, made it harder for her to stay in recovery. And so Jenna had wanted to spend her life when she was in recovery helping people. And that was the promise that she made uh, to our mother, Dawn. And that's where the name Jenna's Promise came from. When she did overdose and, and pass away, at first, the family and then a growing community of amazing professionals like Amanda have come together and tried to kind of help carry on Jenna's promise and shift how we're looking at uh, the substance use crisis that is going on across the nation and, and in Vermont. And substance use crisis is uh, rampant. It's it's just a daily um, hardship for so many families in Vermont um, but you you are trying to make a difference and are making a difference for sure. Um, so uh, you you as a family you purchased the uh, the church in your town that your parents had been married in and turned it into sort of the base of Jenna's promise. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely, yeah. So that was the the beginning of the journey. Um, when Jenna passed away, it was on President's Day weekend, and so for us to have a funeral reception, there wasn't really any event spaces that were available. Uh, this old Catholic church that my parents were married in, um, you know, they <laughs> they kind of pushed me to be an altar server there as well for a few years. Jenna and I both I shoveled the steps. Um, you know, it felt appropriate to circle back and try to have uh, her funeral reception here, too, and we found out soon after that um, the asking price for this um, this old church was almost identical to Jenna's life insurance money. And so uh, Greg and Don decided to uh, use the life insurance money to buy the church and turn it into a community center. The idea being uh, that we can bring everybody together, people who are in recovery uh, and people in our town together. And it doesn't matter where you came from or what's going on in your life, you're all the same, all equal here uh, together, and 
we're trying to kind of add to that beating heart of our small towns that have been hauled out across, you know, uh, the region. And so uh, that was the first step. And, um, you know, we also added a residential program, which is the other major tier of uh, Generous Promise, to help people who are fresh in recovery get a home that is safe, that doesn't, um, you know, put them back in dangerous situations and get them back on their feet um, with lots of supports, as well as workforce development. It's, uh, it's a graduated program as well, where people uh, starts out low key. We help fill in gaps in the resume, get their ID so they can be hired, get those skills back in place, and then move up with our workforce development coordinator to get to a place where they are actually active and uh, in the community and engaged again. And then one of the other aspects of our organization that we have is our health and wellness program that Amanda is in charge of. Amanda, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I would love to. Um, so our health and wellness program um, is it's innovative, it's different, and, um, you know, our goal is to give people an opportunity to um, work on different aspects of their life, like physical or uh, emotional, spiritual. Um, we have a gym that they can access, which is beautiful, and we bring in yoga and other practitioners to help support their journey in health and wellness and really just wrap around the whole person. And is this is something that's available to the community? Yes. Yeah, so um, our gym is open to the community. We're um, launching some open gym time for folks that are in recovery or supporting uh, people in recovery right now. Um, so that'll be Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings from 9 to noon. Um, and it's uh, free to access, or if you can um, give a donation to help support that, that's awesome as well. We have different tiers for that. Um, yeah, so... And um, our, most of our classes and things that we offer are also open to the community. Yeah, that's quite remarkable. And um, hopefully donations come in with that. But it's so generous of you to, to offer that. And, Amanda, let's expand on that a little bit. The the benefit, I mean, if you're working out in the gym, you're not – you're there's less tendency to use. Um, it, it's just a healthier way of looking at life. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I like to say uh, practice in the light, what you need in the dark. And so having these tools in your toolbox to fall back on when you may be feeling uh, triggered or having a moment where you're struggling and you know that, you know, if you go to the gym, you start to feel a lot better. Or if you can take a yoga class um, that helps support your mind and body. Um, so all of all of these different programs are really designed to help people have some tools that they can fall back on um, in a really healthy way. Yeah, it's great. Um, and Gregory, the you also have a coffee shop, which has sort of a unique component to it. Absolutely. That is kind of the final tier of the workforce development um, uh, aspect of Jenna's Promise. And we're so excited about it because we partnered with this amazing organization, uh, Two Sons Bakery, and they're their main uh, area, their main um, bakery is in Hyde Park, and then they have a cafe that they partnered with us with where we give them the space, um, but they make it all their own, and they 
you know, someone in our program comes in and they interview just like someone who comes in off the street and interviews with them too. And they're given a fair shot um, and they are able to kind of join that organization. Um, and it's, it is in the end at that point, though we help with the process and connect with the workforce development coordinator on our end, they're actually part of that cafe and part of Tucson's employment. And so it's a really exciting thing because it's very much like we're giving people an on-ramp. And the earliest stage, is if we have a lot of supports in place. It's only for a few hours. But by this final tier at the cafe, it really is independent. We've had people who have gone to work for Tucson's and they've actually moved over to their Hyde Park facility and are, are working independently there. And so um, we feel like this is the vision as to how we start to shift this paradigm because in Vermont, I mean, we're in the midst of a labor crisis. We've been talking about this, all of us, you know, as residents here. And so part of the goal of, of programs like this is that we can help kind of get people back on their feet and get them into the workplace, which is what their goal is. And with awesome organizations like Tucson's, they're bringing them in and not shutting the door on them, as often happened with my sister when she was struggling to find work uh, when she was in recovery. And uh, you have a, a really powerful coffee component that you, you're actually buying and roasting coffee. Yeah, we are. So that is headed by our indomitable Andrew Bunting, our Roastmaster. Um, and so the idea there being is that that's part of our workforce development. And so residents can come in and help pack and and uh, help with that process, essentially. But the idea is kind of that we can use this to bring profits into Jenna's Promise, and then it goes right into our recovery programs. But it also gets the word out, and it allows people to be thinking and talking about the substance use and the overdose crisis. Um, and I think that's so critical because it's something that is bringing our life expectancy down across the nation. And yet, if you're looking at the news, if you're looking at how we're all talking about this, it's essentially an asterisk in our national conversation. And so we're helping to raise awareness about this and to talk about you know, how we can start to change things. And one big step with that was that we were able to get all of the Jenna's Promise coffee in the Vermont Welcome Centers, the, the rest areas, where uh, by donation you can come and grab a cup of coffee and read about Jenna, read about the substance use crisis, and, um, you know, it helps to further that message. I've lived off interstate coffee in the past when I traveled, so <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, and having really good tasting coffee. We're talking with Gregory Tetro and Amanda Husey, uh, from Jenna's Promise. Uh, Gregory, um, Jenna's Promise, uh, one of the things about a community senator, center is really about not being alone. It means you can go and, and, and be with people and, and often with addiction, we feel that, you know, we're the only one and, and all of a sudden we get to share. Can people go into Jenna's Promise day and night? How how does that kind of work? Yeah, that's a great question. And just to kind of talk about uh, the first part of what you were saying there, um, our COO, Daniel Franklin, was able to bring in Johan Hari, who's a well-known um, author and has written on this subject. And he has this very famous quote that um, a lot of people have come back to over and over again. And basically it says that the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. And that really is the fuel and the engine of Jenna's Promise throughout. And so this community center uh, that you're talking about or any of these these activities um, that Amanda was talking about, whether it be the gym, you know, we have yoga, we have meditation weekly. We want everybody to come in 
And again, you know, the person next to you might be in recovery and the person next to them might not be, but it doesn't matter because we're all equal and all together on that. For the most part, I mean, the cafe, our JP's Promising Goods store, which is a surplus goods store um, uh, run by people in recovery, um, and, and uh, you know, a lot of the events that are going on, there's usually something going on. Um, you know, it, it's maybe not 24-7, but there's usually some activity going on somewhere uh, that we always love to have people come and join us uh, with, for sure. And there are uh, recovery meetings and family meetings as well that people can uh, freely come to. You got it. Yeah. So we have uh, Monday night. Um, we have uh, Wednesday, which goes off and on between what's called a speaker meeting, as well as the family meeting, depending on the week. We have a Friday uh, AA and then a Sunday AA, as well as uh, right before that meditation as well. So I want to return to something um, that your mom, I have heard, and your dad, all of you passionately speak about, and that is um, separating the addiction from the person. Can you can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think um, my father's fond of kind of saying that, you know, once people are able to kind of get away and that, that veil of, of where they were before is kind of lifted, you know, to see this new person come forth, the person they always were, um, is so critical. And I think um, that really is the the vision behind you know what so many amazing recovery organizations are doing and you know um i feel that jenna's promise is able to play our small part in that as well and trying to help people with these meetings um bring them together for community and to show them um that they the you know the incredible person that they are you know for them to find that within themselves a big part of that is through um, working with our intensive outpatient program, uh, which is a trauma-based program uh, that people go through for the first 12 weeks of going into our residential program. And they work uh, with CBT and DBT, which are different uh, behavioral therapies, um, just like you would when you're, when you're with a, a really a professional therapist, essentially. And we build those skills up um, to kind of piggyback off of uh, what Amanda was saying, you know, when, when things are good, so that way when there are challenges, they have those skill sets able to kick in and they can bounce back faster too. But we really view this as, you know, the community coming together and lifting up uh, all people in recovery here in Johnson. And, um, you know, they are able to better hopefully achieve the full potential of what has been inside them all along. Yeah, and I'll emphasize that, that, you know, it's, it's many of our belief that everyone has this beautiful soul and gift and it's just a matter of finding it. The, the distraction of drugs or alcohol is, is that it, it takes away from that. But if we look at the person as a whole, we see the beauty in them and love is always a, uh, a good, uh, medicine or remedy for all of that. Uh, so, Tomorrow night, you have this uh, very interesting, I, I'm so intrigued by this, uh, it's a healing concert. And I'm old enough to remember when concerts weren't exactly healing or healthy, uh, but but you've, you've turned the corner here. What What's a healing concert? Um, so I can speak to that. Our healing concert... Um 
the way they describe it, it's slow music in a fast world. Um, and it's really a chance to come in and listen to beautiful music and connect and um, be in a calm and safe environment. Um, you know, music can be universal and sometimes it's just the vibration or the sound that really just inspires some healing. Um, you, you know, you get to just kind of be lost in the music that's being created. So we'll have musician uh, Danny Grandstaff and harpist Marie Hamilton here, and they're going to be inspired by the audience um, and just creating beautiful music that you get to enjoy. And this is for the whole community to come in. It's a free concert. Um, yeah, so I think it'll. I think it will be really inspiring for folks to come and hear what they create. Yeah, it, it's intriguing. So, how do they cue off a? Have you had enough discussion to understand how they cue off an audience to to play different things? Um, I have not had that specific conversation with them, but having been in other healing journeys. Um, they really kind of, uh, the musicians tend to play off of each other and just really go in this beautiful flow. And maybe um, just what I've been reading from them, maybe they uh, see someone feeling emotional and they're just playing into that to really give them that safe space to release. Because sometimes we do just really need to allow those emotions to come out and have a safe um, environment to do so where we're feeling um, heard and understood. And so I, I really feel that they'll be kind of observing the audience and seeing the reactions and taking it from there. That's my understanding. Yeah, and this is tomorrow night at Jenna's Promise, at Jenna's house, is that right? That's correct. It'll be at 6 p.m. at Jenna's house. 6 p.m. to 7.30, and uh, yep. slow music in a fast world. Now, um, I've had some experience, I think, when I was had a surgery, I was in the hospital, and uh, a harp player came in, and I wasn't sure if I was dying or I was living. Uh, I didn't, <laughs> didn't know where the music was coming from at first, uh, but it, it certainly suggests that it's going to be incredibly meditative. Is that what you think? Yes, I would agree. I would I would really say that you could get lost in that music and really just be able to kind of go inside and, and reflect on your own experiences, reflect on um, your own healing journey. Um, I, I don't think it'll... I don't think you'll be called out and it'll be made like a public thing. I really think this is something special for yourself and you will have that opportunity to just sit and be calm and comfortable and find peace. So it's a wonderful thing. I want to also mention that you have a fundraiser raffle coming up, uh, enter to win two round trip flights to Boston, to Dublin and uh, tickets to an Ireland versus Wales rugby game. Uh, they can find information on the website about that. Is that right? Yeah, so that's right on our Facebook, and that's courtesy of our friends uh, John and Phyllis Phillips, who have just been constant supporters of this organization and, and just great friends of Jenna's Promise. Um, tickets, yeah, if you want to go on to our Facebook, uh, we have about 70 left. They're going for $100 each. Uh, we're partnering with the Middlebury College Rugby Club, 
And um, all the proceeds that we make from this are going to be going to Janet's Promise. So it's just a really wonderful um, opportunity for people who uh, want to take a trip to watch Ireland versus Wales on February 24th, 2024, over in Dublin. And uh, it's just a testament to, you know, what's amazing about small town Vermont is that, you know, people get connected and they want to do good and they find different ways to do it. And, and John and Phyllis have uh, just really stepped up for us and just wanted to help make a difference. And this is one of many ways they've done so. Awesome. Uh, so concert tomorrow night at Jenna's Promise. It's Gregory Tatro and Amanda Husey has joined us this morning. If you're suffering and you need to make a call and you want to reach someone, uh, check out Jenna's Promise uh, uh, phone lines and website. And uh, there's always hope. And uh, I thank you both for joining us. It's uh, been wonderful talking with you. Thank you so much. It was great to talk to you, too. Thanks, Brad. Good to talk with you. Take care. This is Brad Furlan, Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV. I'll see you on Monday, and uh, I'm grateful to the listeners. We can't do radio without you.